welcome to episode 21 of the Great Canadian Hockey Podcast. I'm coming to you live this time. This is a this is a special one. Aiden made the trip back to BC to come visit, not just for this, but it's a circumstantial victory for us, and happy to get that one. It's uh, it's going to be pretty awesome. It's uh, how's it feel to have you over here, buddy? In the province is already great, but then we're at your ridiculous apartment in Burnaby. So I get to kind of do this with like a sick view over your shoulder that way. And likewise with you to me, we're on the windows here. Yeah, this is great. I'm here. It's May 1st. We're recording right now. I'm here this time around to the 11th, but I got a good amount of flexibility this summer. So I get to be back and forth, which is the dream here. Honestly, it's weird actually getting to just like see you face to face (laughs) while I'm talking for this, you know, like the zoom call helps. If we were just doing the Zoom call with no camera, that would suck. I'd feel like I was just talking to a wall. But yeah, this is pretty good. And you're right. I have never really bragged about my apartment on this pod. It is like mostly windows. So yeah, it's uh, it's pretty sweet having you here. And we have a lot of hockey to talk about. A lot has happened. I don't even really know where to start. Should we just go off the cuff with the greatest, possibly one of the greatest upsets of all time? Yeah, I was going to actually ask you that. So in 2019, Tampa Bay had a record-breaking regular season and got swept in the first round by the Blue Jackets. And now 2023, Boston breaks all of Tampa's records and also loses in the first round to Florida. And I actually don't even have an answer for this. What's worse in terms of purely just choking it away? Like I, don't, I, I cannot tell you if losing zero games is worse or losing three consecutive games that could have won you the series is worse. I think the fact that Boston won the regular season in such dominant fashion, like you look at Linus Allmark's save percentage and his record. He played 47 games, I believe, 40 wins, six regulation losses, one overtime or shootout loss, um, 938 save percentage. And he's a great goaltender, but those stats were mildly inflated by how incredible the team was. And the fact that they were up 3-1 in the series, I think nullifies the fact that Florida is an objectively better team than that year of Columbus Blue Jackets were. Because that's a big factor I bring in. That's a huge one. Like, I know Columbus stacked up with Duchesne, um, Ryan Dezingle, and what else? They got something else. I can't remember what. I don't remember what else, but they like they basically even kept their players as rentals. Like they knew Panarin was leaving, Bobrovsky was leaving and then they got another rental in Duchesne. So they like, and to Columbus's credit, they did go all in that year. Like that that was, that was as all in as the blue jackets were going to get. And they won their first playoff series in franchise history. So good for them. Yeah. And I, I, (sighs) this is, this is stupid. It feels stupid saying it. (laughs) I think Tampa's was more embarrassing uh, this was a bigger choke by the Bruins. Yes. Like I would rather not get swept, but Boston and even just the way they lost, right? Even like and Omerk was playing hurt. We know that now. Yeah. Um, I feel like we knew that for most of the series, and you could see it, yeah. right? And like that overtime goal on Matthew Kachuk for Omerk. Brad Marchand in Game Five has a breakaway with seconds left, right? Like it's everything Boston. Everything that didn't have to happen to the Bruins for them to lose the series and did like I I just I think it's I, I do think it's worse, um, 
But yeah, credit to the Panthers, right? Because A, nobody had them winning the series at the beginning. And then B, nobody in their right minds had them winning the series when they were down 3-1. And Sergei Bobrovsky and Co. Matthew Kachuk had a great series. And Carter Verhage, this is his second consecutive year scoring the overtime goal to take the Panthers into the second round. Good for him. And on top of that, how good is Brandon Montour? What is going on? He was picked up like for a very low cost in my fantasy league. And uh, like he was just a throw in on a trade. My buddy got him and, and I was just thinking, ah, you know, I feel like it's just a flash in the pan. Because, you know, a guy at what, 27, 28, roughly in his late 20s, having a career year offensively. I mean, giving you a ton of potential coming into the league. And I had high expectations for him when he was on the Ducks. But, like, I thought he had just settled in as, like, a number 4D. But, no, the guy is incredibly dominant. And he, what he's shown me in this playoffs is enough for me to say, no, no, he's legit. This is, this is a thing. Uh, I feel bad for all Aaron Ekblad fantasy owners. That is awful because now Montour is the guy. I think it speaks to something, and this is something we can talk about more extensively in the summer when we don't have actual games to talk about. But there is something to be said for the fact that the talent gap in the NHL between the best player and the worst player is actually pretty small, okay. right? And guys in the right okay, situation... Okay, can, like, can we go like fifth best player and the worst player? Yeah, because that's like, fair. Yeah, I yeah, feel yeah. like those top five guys, like they, they're, they're a world away. Like we've, we've gone over on the podcast the fact that McDavid is the best player in his sport compared to the next best guy. Yeah, I agree with that. But point being the talent gap is small enough where like guys like Montour, and this is an example because it's in front of us, in the right situation with the right opportunities, with the right power play time, with the right partner, with the right forwards he's playing with in Montour's situation, they can do this. Like you look at the way Hampus Lindholm's mm -hmm. season started in Boston, it was the same thing, the absence of McAvoy, mm -hmm. and he filled those shoes, right? And, and so... It, it speaks to something bigger of like the players that fail so often. It's not because they aren't that good of a player, right? Very often. It's just, you know, the situation that the yeah. stars didn't align for them. And I think Montour, because if you think about it, like he played for an Anaheim team. He stepped in when they were declining, right? Like they, they, they were at the top in 2015. They had that, that push for the cup. And then when he moved up the depth chart, that was kind of when the ducks were, declining right the the right. they lost it in the uh in the third round in 2017 and from there it has never been even close to the same for that ducks team true um and then he goes to buffalo which was also a mess right yeah. so this florida team now for him this is the first time he's played for a team with any real coherency in terms of like knowing that they're a contender right the ducks he got the tail end of the ducks's strength when he never would have been a top, even remotely top three guy on that team. Goes to Buffalo in a situation where it was hard for anybody to excel. Now he's in Florida. He gets given this chance with Ekblad Hurd, and he runs with it. Yeah, and it's one of those things you love to see. Like, you love to see a guy succeed. And the reason, I, one of the reasons I bring him up is uh, my favorite moment of this series is after game five, Matthew Kachuk walking in the dressing room and saying, boys, we're going to be back here for game seven. And he, he said it so calmly. It wasn't the big raw raw like yelling into the into the locker room. It was boys, we're gonna be back here for game seven. This is it. This is what's happening. And that's one of those things where like in the modern era of sports with social media that we have, 
that's a very iconic moment. That's going to be an iconic playoff moment for a long time. Probably a defining, career-defining thing for not just all those Florida players who, like, this is one of the biggest moments in their careers, honestly. But for Matthew Kachuk, who got traded to Florida, and it was after that massive season with, with those three Calgary players on that first line, with Goodrow, with Lindholm. It was, is he going to be this good there? Is he going to be a 100-point guy? Probably not. Most people didn't have him pegged for 100 points this year. I think I remember quoting myself as saying, it's possible. I'm not going to guarantee it. I won't even come close to guaranteeing it, but it's very possible that he does it. And damn, what a showing. And uh, were you watching the broadcast? I would have been watching the sports network yesterday. Okay. I believe I had whatever American version was. Was that TBS? TBS, TNT, and ESPN. Yeah, yeah. So whatever I was watching, uh, the uh, uh, whoever the color guy was, he was uh, he was tearing up. He said, I, "I I'm sorry, I gotta pass it off to you while we talk about Bergeron here, while he's embracing his teammates." He's like, "I'm I'm crying, I'm tearing up," and uh, I think that's the final note we need to touch on in this series is what a legacy, what a career, what a showing. Bergeron came back for the end of the series playing through a herniated disc. I have a buddy who works at a mill right now that just had a herniated disc. He couldn't even walk. What a showing and what an end to a warrior's life, basically. Uh, can you give me a couple thoughts on Patrice Bergeron? Crosby, Taves, like the leadership award was named after Mark Messier, but... He might be the best captain in NHL history, which is kind of ironic. Because he only was for a few years? Yeah, like Chara was. But even just like the stories you hear out of the room, like he, again, I've, I've read this, he apparently is like a, a mental health counselor for other Bruins players. Yeah, team therapist, basically. That's incredible, right? Mm-hmm. Like that on its own is, is amazing. And, and then you pair it with probably one of the best complete two-way NHL players ever, right? Like he won five Selkie trophies. He was as good defensively as he was offensively, and he was really good at both. Um, yeah, I, I it, it would be hard to, it would be hard to to not think of this guy as, as just a pure champion in every way. And it, yeah, it, it's 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 gonna be sad to see him go. Two Olympic golds. He was on the 2010 team, right? Yeah, I thought so. Not a huge role. 13-4. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. But two Olympic golds, um, two cup finals, one Stanley Cup. Three cup finals. Other than the cup. Oh, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Two times not winning the cup and making it to the finals. And then, uh, yeah, wow. that You got to wonder if that... Bruins team were able to hold on to its supplementary star players a little bit better. Would that number of cups been better? You think Nathan Horton uh, was a huge piece before he ended up falling apart due to injuries. Uh, last I read, he was barely able to walk um, or couldn't play with his kids. Was I, I think I remember reading um, you look at Tyler Sagan. You got to wonder if that would have been a monumental piece to help them maybe win that uh, win in 2013. Was he on? The, no. He was not on the 2013 team, Bruins team. I don't think he was. I think he was traded right before that. I could be stand corrected here. 
he was on that team, he had a pretty bad playoffs. That's and what it was. was. Traded after. That's that was, what it was. That was kind of what caused him to be traded. Was he had a goal singular in 22 games. Right. Okay. Well, you look at that uh, that game seven against the Blues in 2019. Sure, could he use a Tyler Sagan right there? Dougie Hamilton. Dougie Hamilton, huge piece, massive piece. Like a better, the, a better return for Lucic. Yeah. 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 You got to think like if a couple of those other guys were around. You know what it is for Boston that I think <clears throat> it was whatever fifteen minutes could have made them a dynasty and they messed it up. It mm-hmm. was picks 13, 14, and fifteen in the twenty fifteen. Yeah. They had all three. They picked Zaboro, DeBrusque, and Senechin. And I like DeBrusque, but after that came Matt Barzell, Thomas Shabbat, Kyle Connor, Brock Besser, Travis Konechny, Sebastian Ajo, like, and more. That's just off the top of my head. Um, and not to mention that it was, I'm pretty sure it went Barzell, Shabbat, Connor as the next three after those three. So it's not even like we're reaching into, those are all either late first or early second rounders that I said. And... For Boston, like just DeBrusque is great, so even leave DeBrusque fine. But imagine Shabbat and Connor instead of Zaboro and Senechin on this Bruins team. Coming into the season, I had the Bruins missing the playoffs, which in the regular season, obviously. Me too. Yeah. Um... And I'll be dunked on forever because of that. You know, like they they beat a record. We both couldn't have been more wrong. The only way we could have been more wrong is if they went on a crazy run. And as good as this team is, you take Bergeron off it, you take Krejci off it, Brad Marchand eventually, maybe two, three years down the line, he's he's in his mid-30s. And he's had some major injuries. You're passing this team off to Zaka, McAvoy, Hall, DeBrusque, great players. David Pasternak? Pasternak, obviously, too. Um, Charlie McAvoy? Yeah. Uh, Taylor Hall in an increased role likely as, uh, as I mean, he'll be getting older, but I could see a random like semi-career year out of him once Marshawn's gone. Yeah. Um, and I like their D still, Lindholm and Grizzlick and Carlo. Um, so what this team's going to be looking for is what I'm saying. It, it, it's going to be their identity, right? Because as, as good as all those guys we both just said are, they've never been th- the Bruin. It's always been Bergeron, Krejci, Marshan. So, it's going to be interesting to see how this team transitions into just the different core, the different leadership, just even the different heart, right? Because I think that was part of the reason Florida struggled so much this year was as good as Kachuk was and as good as he clearly grew into and as good as he, as he was in the playoffs, I looked at trading Uyghur and Huberto kind of like they, they ripped the heart out of that team. And that's why it took Florida a while to kind of – because they, they did not look like a playoff team. It was a full-on heart transplant. Yeah. So it took them a while to recover, and then look where they are now. Great. So it's going to be interesting to the Bruins how they recover from a heart transplant, ostensibly, that's going to happen here as these guys move on. All right, before we move on, any final notes on this Bruins team? Any final notes on the Panthers going forward before, uh, I mean, without saying too much about what they're going into, what this next series will be? Any last thoughts on on the Bruins, basically? Uh, nothing aside from that, and um, for the next whatever two and a half weeks go panthers <laughs> okay we'll get into that a bit more uh so we're gonna stay on the east coast for a bit and uh we're gonna talk about likely the end of another dynasty 
the Tampa Bay Lightning out in the first round after winning two cups, going to another finals in a three-year span. Um, the chain of Corey Perry and Patrick Maroon going to cup finals is over. That is a wild chain of events that uh, can't be can't be understated. It's insane how many times these guys played in the finals recently. Um, it's just wild. You think about the playoff wear and tear on guys in their 30s. That is insane that they're able to come in and perform and compete at the level they are. Um, all props to them for their athleticism, compete level, everything in between. Um, Tampa Bay Lightning out in six games against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, wow. I just, I, I so thought it was going to seven. I thought regardless of the winner, it was going to seven. And uh, I was at Kitsilano Beach Saturday in Vancouver, uh, enjoying the sun with some friends. And I went to go wait in the lineup to go use the urinal. And uh, I had left my phone on the beach because my phone was playing music, but I was also streaming the game on my phone. I was laying down while all my friends are chucking a football around because I am that level of hockey nerd that I can't go to the beach while a playoff game is on and not watch it. I'm sorry. I have Sportsnet now. I have a good data plan. I'm watching that game. You guys can go have fun in the sun. I, uh, I stayed out of many conversations. I, I, I actually raised my hand in a stop and leave me alone motion when the game tied <laughs> and uh yeah it's uh it was something i had to watch and pay attention to and yeah i'm waiting in this bathroom lineup and the guy in front of me i noticed is streaming the game i'm like all right sick and uh and we're talking about it we're like this is crazy and i was like are you a leafs fan or a lightning fan he's like no this is just a monumental moment in hockey and i was like uh-huh and uh next thing you know him and i are talking neither of like we're having a full-on conversation about our lives who we are introducing ourselves but both of our eyes are glued to his phone screen like me and this dude could practically be kissing with how close our faces are but looking straight forward at this phone screen and then next thing you know maple leaf's goal and it was absolute pandemonium you would not believe how many people got the notification on their phone and started yelling at this beach and walking into this beach, I didn't even think even 5% of these people cared about a hockey game. It was nuts. It's absolutely crazy. And me and this dude are jumping and shouting in the bathroom. Because now we've been waiting in the bathroom lineup long enough that we're like, we're in the final stretch. We're like eight feet from the urinals. There's maybe three people in front of us in line. And uh, damn, I'm going to remember that forever. I don't care if they get swept in the next round. That was, uh, that was crazy for the Leafs. And uh, before I let Aiden talk, we need to continue to recognize his open bias. He is an open Leafs hater. Like, his Instagram story immediately was, let's go Panthers. That, that, was, that was the first thing I saw. Like, can't even remain impartial for 30 seconds. He's just got to instantly hop back on the Leafs hatred wagon. And you know what? Stick to your guns. I like it. He's not, he's not being fake about it. He's authentic. I was going to hold off on that I feel like I need to get to the negativity first um Toronto in playoff series is if you go back I'm gonna go as far as 2019 2019 first round loss to Boston 2020 qualifying round loss to Columbus 21 Montreal first round 22 Tampa first round that's a good window because that's the window with this core being developed yeah that's kind of what I yeah. mean None of the early showings. Yeah, yeah. I actually think this isn't the group 
that deserve to win the least, but it's it. This performance in the first round is definitely not the one that deserved to win the most. Games three and four in Tampa, they should have lost both of those games. I watched the entirety of both of those games. Tampa Bay should have won. Andre Vasilevsky was poor. Um, Which is really weird. Yeah, that's, it definitely That's not was. something we're used to seeing. And you know what? I said this was going to be negative. It is turning into a positive because that's kind of the thing here, right? Sometimes in hockey, it's not who plays the best. It's not the best team. But teams that go on runs need to find ways to win. And that's what's different about this year's Leafs. It's not that, you know, it's, it's not the trades they made, which obviously they're helping. Like O'Reilly had a great first round. Uh, I, I, Lafferty was a good pickup. He got scratched near the end of the series. But I love Nolachari. Like the, the, the guys they got, McCabe, I thought really grew into his role. Didn't start strong, but played better as the series went on. Um, but this team, more so than any other one, found the way to win. And that makes them dangerous because, you know, as good as they always were, they never did that. And you could almost write them off every year because as good as, as good as, as talented as the players were, they just couldn't do it. And now all of a, all, now all of a sudden you can't, you know, you can't write them off anymore and, and you got to take these guys seriously. And the fact it's Florida instead of Boston, like Florida, Whoa. yeah, Florida did them a huge favor. All of a sudden we might be looking at Toronto against X in the East final. Right, like that—that's that, what I'm expecting. I mean, yeah. After that playoff showing, you can't discount this Florida Panthers team. You can't at all. Like these guys find a way. Um, you know what their playoff motto is that they hashtag at the end of everything, right? Time to hunt. I like that. Yeah, I really like time to hunt. Like that's—it's uh, original, and number two, it's catchy. It's fun. It's ruthless. I like it. I like it a lot works with the panthers yeah yeah it's a play on a predatory animal it's genius it's 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 so casually genius that i okay all right situation situation for you um you get free tickets to game seven leafs panthers do you uh write time to hunt on your forehead I've never been a right much on my forehead guy. If we were going to a game as Panthers fans and you were like, hey, let's write time to hunt on our foreheads, probably would. <laughs> I could sell water to a drowning man. You 100% would. <laughs> um, and yeah, you promised that I would be negative about the Leafs, so I feel like I have to fulfill that. Um, everybody's hailing John Tavares for good reason. He scored the overtime goal. The biggest contribution to Toronto winning the series on the Toronto Maple Leafs was Michael Bunting because six games of Eric Chernak, they do not win. So Bunting, you know, congratulations. And, Ma and Matthew Nyes arguably played better than Bunting would have in that role. Yeah. So yeah, Bunting did the most without, with, he did the most while doing the least. Yeah, he, you know, so I watched it in 2011. I watched the Boston Bruins bully their way to a Stanley Cup and you know congratulations Toronto you found a way to win <laughs> find a way who wait whose playoff mottos find a way uh, this year the yeah this there's year? there's there's someone hashtagging find a way they might already be out I don't remember but anyway while you're while you're googling that doing the quick research for me um <laughs> yeah it's uh I mean just a couple more notes on the the lightning there um we that's another team we really need to recognize greatness with. They put in an absolute shift from the moment they got knocked out, they got swept by the Blue Jackets 
up until this time getting toasted in the first round by the Leafs, I'm not going to say toasted. It was a battle. They, they lost. Uh, but yeah, up until now, that was an unreal shift. Like, we might not get another period of dominance like that in the next decade. Well, yesterday night, I was kind of going through it in my head how the cup winners performed the next time around because we'll get to this. Colorado's out. <laughs> um, I, I will begrudgingly get to this. Yeah, so I was, I was kind of doing it in my head and like you go back and, you know, um, Pittsburgh won it twice. Mm-hmm. Um, Tampa, Tampa is the only team that I can think of just off the top of my head aside from Chicago between, so it's Chicago between 2013 and 2015. And then Tampa between 20 and 22 are the only two teams that made three conference finals at least in a row. Mm. Every other cup winner had first round exits or myth, like whatever sprinkled in, right? Like Pittsburgh even two cups, but then they lost in the second round, right? You think about, um, sorry, the LA Kings as well would have been the other one with Chicago. Correct. Um, but Tam- like the fact that Tampa made three finals in a row, like I, I, I agree with I, I agree with you. I, I don't think we're going to see that. And taking a step back and just looking at the Avalanche team is a good reason because you look at the guys they had to lose. They couldn't afford Kadri. They couldn't afford Burakovsky. So while we have a hard cap, I don't think we're seeing that again, honestly. They couldn't afford Darcy Kemper, who even though Alexander Georgiev played pretty great for the most part and had a great regular season, that's just another piece gone, another piece that you have to get used to being around. Yeah, and then, you know, Tampa Tampa did a good job of getting some guys to buy in for less, right? Vasilevsky mm-hmm. is underpaid. Braden Point is heavily underpaid. No state tax. That helps. <laughs> Kucherov, Stamkos all could have more money elsewhere. No state tax. That helps, right? Um, what? is next after being eliminated last year uh they get into the summer they give chernak sorelli and uh and sergachev massive extensions alex kalorn great season great playoffs he's gonna get absolutely paid in free agency and uh we talk about ripping the heart out of a team kalorn has been there for a long time we're looking at nine seasons of alex kalorn that are coming to an end now and uh he's been He's been a guy they could plug and play anywhere in their forward lineup. Anywhere. First line, second line, third line, fourth line if you need some depth. Screw it. Why not? They've done everything with that guy. And you've seen the locker room clips. You've seen everything, all the, the social media, Alex Kalorn doc talks. Like, this is this is a major end to a major thing. Andre Palat leaving, that was huge. Alex Kalorn leaving, arguably bigger. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. And... um the talent on the roster, I think this is one of those things that we're going to look back on in five years and say, this is when they should have blown it up. But we can't say that now because there's too much talent there. Way too much talent. Like, you can't... And, and that's, that's the other side of the coin here is, is we're going to have this conversation with Winnipeg too because Bonus is staying. So Baylor and Shifley are gone. I'm sorry. That's, that's a fact. Um Maybe even PLD. Yeah, I, I think he's, he's if not this year, he's gone next year um, to Montreal by every indication. But point being, we're going to have this conversation with Winnipeg is, um, do you make a change and try and stay competitive if you're Tampa, right? Do you, 
Haven't they already done that? They've done that. That's what I mean is they've done that a lot, right? They, they've, they've, you know, they, they could have gone all in on that uh, Tyler Johnson led 2015 team and, and really pushed their chips in there, but they kind of took a step back, regrouped, retooled the emergence of Braden point after he was picked in the third round helped a ton <laughs> a lot. The Sergachev trade that helped as well. But and that's the thing. Do you make more of those Sergachev type trades where you trade a player for an alike player that you think can help your team more with this group of lightning? Because at the end of the day, here's, here's the irrefutable fact. They lost, right? They lost in the first round, regardless of what they've done. They are going into the offseason for the first time in three years as a team that lost in the first round. So the question now has to be, do you go back and say, that was an anomaly, this group can do better? Or do you say, that we're not going to do better than this with this group, we have to make some changes? Option A. I think that's what they're going to do. I think that's what you have to do if you're Julian Breezebois. But... Here's the thing. I'm looking at the Pittsburgh Penguins right now, James, and I'm thinking that's going to be Tampa in four years. I think you have longer than four years. Yeah, I think you do. I really think you do. I think, uh, like, Braden Point makes this a longer-than-four-year operation. He's the only one, though. Nikita Kucherov is not old. He's what, 28? He's turning 30 this year. He's turning 30 this year? Okay, all right. But does his style of play, I mean, injuries aside, which there have been some major ones, um, does his style of play really warrant a major fall-off at 33, 34? I don't think so. I think Nikita Kucherov is still a a money-making elite player at 36. I don't disagree with you, but I'm not even talking Kucherov at point. But you're right that that it is going to be those guys. I think Sergachev, Sorelli, Point and Kucherov, Vasilevsky. That's your pieces. I think everything else is in flux. Victor Hedman declined this year. That was really weird. And that's a fact too. And Stamkos, not yet, but you can see it in him, right? You can see it in the, like, that play. He makes that play differently three years ago, right? He scores on Mm -hmm. that play three years ago. He does this differently years ago, right? You can see it with Stamkos. You can see it really this year with Hedman. So I'm saying that you you staple, like you you irrefutably glue Sorelli, Point, Kucherov, Vasilevsky, and Sergachev to your roster. Every other card, play it. See what it gets you. Roll the dice on a, on a deal for... Uh, roll, roll the dice on a Stamkos trade, right? Like, why not? Why not? You give them to a team, give them to it like... And again, this is a complete hypothetical because Buffalo wouldn't do this. But Buffalo's making a late push in the season next year. Look how many young assets a team like that has. Give him to a team on the rise with a ton of young assets. Get some of those young assets in return and see what you can do with those, right? Because I, I think I think what NHL teams do is they they overstay their welcome in their cup windows. And I think Tampa's cup windows closed. And again, you and I have differentiating opinions on this because you are very much a hockey is a business. You have to sell things. You have to sell tickets. So Tampa Bay being a third place in the Atlantic team, and then selling their tickets of either first or second round playoff revenue, that's worth it to you. For me, if a cup window closes, then you should do nothing but try and work towards the next cup window, whether that be tear down and restart or do everything in your power to become good enough to get back to that cup window. Because to me, 
again, I, I, I know it's a business. I understand it. But the way I look at hockey, it just, it's, it's about winning above all. We've covered before that I do see hockey from a business standpoint a lot, but then the, uh, in my heart, I do know that even though this is a business, there is still some degree of loyalty and some degree of heart. And, uh, that's Steven Stamkos's city. That's his team. That's his home. That's his family. And I like to think that the lightning will at least somewhat recognize that, recognize it as such. So I, I don't think he's going anywhere anytime soon. The Headman one, though, that one's interesting. That one is where it gets very interesting for me. But like I said before, I don't think they'll move these assets. I think they will use them as their own rentals. And uh, I think that they probably think that the rest of their long-term locked-up core is steady enough that they can afford to do that. Okay, so we've teased it. We spent way too much time on the other stuff, so maybe that maybe this was James's strategy. Spent a lot of time on the first two topics so that he could avoid this. It was a subconscious thing for sure. Um, but Seattle is into the second round for the first time in franchise history in just their second year by beating the Colorado Avalanche in seven games, two one. First of all, before we get to the Avs losing, let's start with the Kraken winning, and specifically, let's start with the fact that I. Actually, watching that game, when I looked at the ice time, I expected Oliver Bjorkstrands to be over like 45 minutes because it seemed like every single time anything was happening anywhere on the ice, it was on the stick of Oliver Bjorkstrand. He had himself a game. And I think the fact that he didn't come away with a game seven hat trick is robbery because he hit the post like 14 times. Um, not really, but <laughs> you get my point. Um, and you know what? Talk about a guy with a chip on his shoulder. Talk about a guy who was mad that Columbus gave him away for so little and went out there this season saying, you're going to regret this. I'm going to make you regret this. And Columbus should because he followed up a good series and a good season with an amazing Game 7. He is a lot of the reason that Seattle's in the second round. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, I give one man extreme props to Seattle winning this team. And that is one Mr. Philip Grubauer um, uh, playing like a man possessed against his former team that he wasn't able to win with. Oh man. I watching that game also on my phone, sitting in my car. Uh, I, I watched it. I, I actually went and saw a movie last night and I had my phone on silent watching the game uh, while the movie was playing. And, uh, cause I, I committed, I double committed, I double booked myself and, uh, yeah. Wow. Um, it, it's a lot. Um, this Kraken team does not leave you alone. I was talking with my buddy Colton recently and, uh, gave me pesky sends vibes, early 2010s, Ottawa senators that just do not leave you alone. They're just really annoying. Just incredibly annoying. Just a lot of decently talented players that just smother you over and over and over again. I got to give another guy props. Justin Schultz. He played so good. Justin Schultz was rock solid. Like, I was really, really impressed with his play. For a guy that, like, coming into his career in Edmonton, touted as, like, one of the next offensive defensemen, kind of fell off in Edmonton a bit, went to Pittsburgh, redefined himself, fairly high in Norris ballots. 
and then up and down again, goes to the caps, up and down again. And now I am super impressed with him in Seattle. He's, uh, wow, I like just really, really solid player. And uh, Vince Dunn, wow, Mr. Dangerous. Like you get scared as he's patrolling the blue line. Uh, and then Seattle's forward depth, top to bottom, even with McCann injured. Who else is injured? Burakovsky? Yeah, McCann and Burakovsky, two of their most dangerous forwards injured. Like, they play the exact same game. That uh, uh, Cartier, Ty Cartier, he came in. He looked like it was his first career NHL game in the playoffs. Cranks a 1T. I mean, I'm not going to say anything about how pissed off McKinnon was at the other end of the ice. But, um, yeah, Ty Cartier just cranks a 1T first game. Looks like he played there the entire season. Chemistry was just instant. That Seattle team just knows what they're doing. And I've been critical to my friends of Dave Haxtell as an NHL head coach. I can't say a word anymore. That guy conducts a chess match like nobody else. It was really nice. It was, it was pretty cool to watch. And I think I think personally that says a lot about me as a fan that I'm complimenting all of these guys before I'm saying anything about my team. And I have a lot to say about my team. So that that's that's a thing. Um, one more player. Matty Beneers, that guy has a bright future ahead of him. Even when he's not racking up points, he works hard. He shows everything you want to see. Everything you want to see. I don't know if he's going to be a playmaker. I don't know if he's going to be a power forward, a two-way forward. He could be any of those. He could be a complete package of them. He could be a captain in this league. I don't know. He is He's everything Seattle needed with that first draft pick in their history. What a player he's going to be. What a career he's going to have. I just hope he doesn't like bump in injury concerns. That's always something you uh, you wonder with a guy who plays a hard game and has a big frame. But yeah, what do you have to say about the Kraken, Aiden? I'm uh, I'm am kind of done polishing them right now. Well, and, and this was a thing all season, but it really stood out to me the the by committee scoring of this team, right? Like you go through, they were fourth in the NHL in goals. You know, Jerry McCann had 40 tucks in the regular season, right? That's huge. In the playoffs, he mentioned he got hurt. Even in his four games, he had one assist. Vince Dunn played amazing. One point in seven games. Was an assist. Jordan Eberle, think of that huge overtime goal. That was his only one, right? Matty Beneers, you were praising him. Still, one point in seven games. Yanni Gord, only one goal in seven games. Daniel Sprong, a goal in two points. Bjork Strand's first two goals came in game seven. Um, Andre Burakovsky was out hurt. Alexander Wenberg, one goal in seven games. Brandon Tanev, one goal in seven games. Justin Schultz, one goal in seven games. Morgan Geeky, who is pretty high in their scoring this year, two points in six games. Eli Tolvanen, who came in, huge 16 goals in 48 games, one goal in seven games. Ryan Donato went pointless. Like, you go down that lineup. Daniel Sprong. And yeah, Jeff Merrick's baby, Daniel Sprong. Um, yeah, he, he, he wasn't a huge producer. So that's what's impressing me the most is the fact that realistically this team is in the second round not one of their players was like i am carrying this team through save for probably phil grubauer you said it off the top like he he is the series mvp to me i think easily yeah pretty unequivocally and uh, if not nathan mckinnon yeah yeah that's it's between the two and you know i thought mckinnon had that second goal man last night another offside which we'll get to but it's going to be a really interesting second round because as good as Philip Grubauer was, 
Jake Ottinger was better. And I think that is going to be a huge, huge duel in that next round. Is Does Ottinger on Dallas outplay Grubauer on Seattle? And what can the team do to help their goaltenders? And, and you know, we everybody wrote off Seattle against, um, against Colorado. So I'm hesitant to do it against Dallas. I'm leaning Dallas. We can get to that later. Um, but I think now is the time to talk about the Avs. Can I take it away here? Yeah, just go. The amount of injuries this team faced in the regular season, in playoffs, it's a wonder that they won the division and got it to game seven of the first round. This team had won a championship, lost three impact players, tried to fill the bubble as best they could, Evan Rodriguez played admirably the entire season as a utility player in the top six. Um, Valerie Nachushkin, one of Colorado's most important players, out with mysterious circumstances Circumstances that I, I've read all of the reports that we have so far, even some of the ones from less reputable places, which still somehow line up with the reputable ones. And uh, I... I'm not going to provide too much further detail on at this time. I just hope he's okay. And I hope that nothing too terrible has happened. Um, as soon as he was away from the team, that was that was like the biggest blow they could have gotten playoffs aside from one of the big three being injured. The big three being Makar, McKinnon, Rantanen. Um, I... They already didn't have Landeskog, which is a player they needed against Seattle's style of play. They needed that grumpy power forward forecheck that uh, ready to break something or score or tip it in at any moment in time. Nachushkin could have provided some of that. He was gone. So Colorado's scoring, you look at Nathan McKinnon's plus minus in this playoffs, and you look at how many goals Colorado scored. McKinnon was most of it. Rantanen was most of it. Makar was some of it um like losing andrew cogliano is a depth piece for the for the last game there uh it's a wonder jordan eberle wasn't suspended um he literally broke his neck right on the numbers fractured his neck like hitting him right on the numbers into the boards first of all only a two-minute minor okay whatever i understand i understand not penalizing more on the play but no suspension. No hearing. No hearing. Nothing. Whatever. Okay, I'll move past it. I won't hold a grudge on that one. It's okay. Hockey happens. Eberle and Cogliano rolled teammates. I guarantee he gave him a call, sent him a text, checked on him. Hockey's a brotherhood. I guarantee he checked on him. I guarantee there's no love lost there. <sighs> but the injuries. First of all, Somehow this is like the first playoffs where Colorado hasn't had a goalie injury, which is a miracle in itself. We were talking about Philip Grubauer. He somehow got injured every playoffs Colorado played with him. Um, I mean, he is uh, getting to finally play against Dallas, which he didn't get to last time. They had Michael Hutchinson in for the last game against Dallas when Colorado played them. Uh, um, but yeah, it was uh, it was really hard. Colorado played as resilient as they could, but they just couldn't match the depth. It was like if the McKinnon line and the Comfer line weren't out, I was kind of worried. 
Um, luckily, they have a really strong blue line to lean on. Bowen Byram played incredible. He just showed me what a healthy Bowen Byram can be. And oh my god. I I am so impressed. Like that is such an embarrassment of riches on the back end that he's just there. Like he's just like your third guy. Like you get your Makar, your Devon Taves, and then you have Bowen Byram. Not to mention, um, Sam Gerard didn't really give anyone anything to complain about during playoffs. And uh, he's always the scapegoat whenever Colorado does anything bad in any game. The fans in the comments just love to rip on the guy. I saw no reason to rip on the guy. I didn't think he did anything bad. He's the fourth D. He plays a flashy game, and he did his job. Um, Ben Myers, I don't want to say anything negative. Um, he is not the solution for Colorado's depth. Um, I kind of had high expectations for this guy coming in. Um, I think, I hope he can get a roll of the dice somewhere else. I don't really think he fits in with Colorado's style of play. That's just me. Um, Alex Newhook, he showed me flashes. I want to see more. If Colorado continues to lose depth pieces, we need more. Especially in the playoffs. Like, his season, solid. But I didn't see him much in that first round. Yeah, like I said, he had flashes. Flashes were all we got. And uh, it's it's the kind of thing where we're two years away from him verging to Tyson Joe's territory where he's like a really, really solid depth player and does his job and has flashes where it's like, oh, I see why he was drafted really high. But like you just need more. You really need more. And like you can you've had other guys come in and from being depth players, from being second chances, roll of the dice, like they turned Valerie Nachushkin into an elite player again. Arturi Lekkonen is a beast. Yeah, unreal year. Unreal year, great playoffs. He was injured for a bunch of the year too. Like Colorado just continually gets hit with injuries left and right. Nathan McKinnon did everything he could. No one can say him or Miko Rantanen had anything more they could have given in that playoffs. Those two are top 10 players in the league for good reason. And yes, I just said Miko Rantanen's a top 10 player in the league. It, it's it's around the 10 spot, yeah. but yeah. It's another offseason. Yeah, that's another offseason conversation. But yeah, it was it was really hard. It was I wanted to see them get to the second round really bad because I just don't like the look of the whole win the cup, knocked out first round, or win the cup, not make playoffs. And at one point during the year, it looked like it was win the cup and not make playoffs. At one point in the year, that was a strong possibility. So, you know, I will give them all props in the world for getting there. Um, for every Colorado fan out there, I'm glad we're not toxic fans and we actually just stick with our team through and through. It's it's part of what makes being a fan of this team so fun. Like, setting a dead last record, being, one of the, being the worst team in the modern era that year when we ended up picking Makar. Colorado's fans still watched tons of games like our viewership didn't dip much so you know i look forward to next year i look forward to seeing what hole plugging uh jared or sorry what hole plugging joe sackick and chris mcfarland do in the off season uh i look forward to what might happen um jt comfer is a pending ufa um he deserves a pay raise and uh that usually means less holes you can fill 
but he is a very important part of this team. So I don't really see him going anywhere. But yeah, that's those are my thoughts. What do you have? Nothing you didn't say. Uh, unlike Tampa, this is a team very, very far from not being a very strong team and not being a cup contender. So, you know, I, I think you're right. It's going to be up to Sackick. But if anybody in this league has proved, other than potentially Iserman, that they can, you know, do anything from that GM's chair, it is Joe Sackick. Um, you know, like if you look at that Duchesne era. He's president of Hockey Ops, Chris McFarland GM. Yeah. <laughs> If you uh, if you look at that Duchesne era Avalanche team, the way he kind of repurposed guys that he didn't see as part of the core into other players, and, mm-hmm. and you know, like Duchesne, you talked about Byron, that is directly who we got from Matt Duchesne, right? Um, and Sam Gerrard. Yeah, yeah, including Gerrard. That was a big trade. Um, just solidifying two-thirds of that left side with Devon Taves being the other one who we got for two second-round picks, right? Like, it's it's things like that. And, um, yeah, I, I the abs are not... Uh, this, isn't a, this isn't a decline. This is a bump, I think. I will say, regardless of all the talent and that competitive window still being wide open, I do think there's a major forward-depth retooling that's needed. A lot of the things that are a lot of the things that made them so great before, like last year, um, injuries aside, I think there's a depth retooling. Like it's something has to happen. Like something's got to give. Um, having Landeskog and Nachushkin in the lineup pushes other guys down, and that's huge. But I want to see more out of that third and fourth line. I really do. I like Comper. I like Newhook. And I like Rodriguez. Me too. None of those guys are bona fide second line centers in my eyes. I think Comfer is there now. Yeah? Yeah. So I was going to say, like, a cup-winning team, he's an awesome 3C. Like, just... Amazing 3C. Yeah. yeah. But, <laughs> is he a 2C on a cup-winning team? That's the question that... Yeah. With the right... With Amico Rantanen on his wing? Yes. Yeah. So, a bump. A disappointing one, obviously. But, that's all it is. Ready for next year. What do we have next? Islanders and Wild are the two teams that showed up and lost <laughs> to me, right? There's there's not a whole lot else to say other than Philip Gustafson looked great. And I just want to say, stupidest coaching decision I've ever seen in my entire life to start Flurry game two. Minnesota won game one. I actually think that lost in the series. I don't care that they lost in six and not seven. If you start Gustafson in game two, Right, like he basically won them game one single handedly. If you have a two nothing stranglehold on the road, mind you, all of a sudden that's different. Flurry comes in, plays pretty pretty bad, and Dallas wins that game and then wins three of the next four to win the series. Yeah, I think we talked about that a bit on the last episode. But the one update on that is Flurry said, "I think that might be it." One of the best goalies of his generation. Sits very high on the all-time wins list. So has his name on the cup over and over. Three times. Could have been four. If that Vegas run worked out. Could have been four. He was the lifeblood of that team. Before they before they ripped it out and transplanted every drop of it. So moving to the Islanders. Elias Sorokin 
wasn't awful, but he was so far from what I thought he was going to be. Like, I, I, I had the Islanders winning this series on his back completely. And, you know, again, he didn't cost them the series, but he didn't look like the Elias Sorokin we've come to expect. And, and you know, Carolina, to their credit, with all those injuries, still managed to produce the necessary number of goals they needed to win. And they're through. They'll play in the second round. Yeah, I mean, Sebastian Ajo. I said before on our last episode, if they're going to win, Sebastian Ajo needs to do this. Then what do you know? Next time I flick on the game, it's like five seconds into me turning on the game late, Sebastian Ajo scores. And I was like, huh, that's nifty. It's almost like I made that happen. I spoke into existence. That's cool. But yeah, this, uh, this Carolina team is definitely missing some forward depth. Uh, their blue line can help. Freddie Anderson looked really good in his first game back. Um, I hope he can stay healthy. I hope the rest of Carolina's forwards can stay healthy. And I... I wish them luck against whichever team comes out of this next series we have to touch on before uh, before the end of the pod. <laughs> well, you know what we're going to do? Hmm. It is Monday, May 1st afternoon. James yeah. is going to go to work. And we're going to finish this... We're going to finish recording this another day in this week. Hopefully... Tomorrow, tonight, I don't know. We'll see. Um, so we will be able to... This is going to be funny because we're going to sit here talking about Game 7 coming up and in the same episode once everybody listens to it, it'll be... That's fun. I like that. Yeah, retrospective. Um, you and I both have the New York Rangers winning the cup in our brackets. Uh, my bracket is decimated after this first round. I don't even have a bracket anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, I still... I'm going to stand by them like... Jersey has been great. Akira Schmid has been a great story. Um... In the end, the better team will prevail. And uh, I think the Rangers hopping in and winning 5-2 last game and their big boys coming in and stepping up, you getting uh, getting major production out of Kreider and Zibanejad, that was needed. Um, I think... I think they need a really, really big Adam Fox performance. I think they need a really big Igor performance. And I think they're going to put these upstart devils in the dirt. And I'm not just saying that because on a whim, I bet $50 with one of my best friends that the Rangers would win. And uh, I I was gloating with the Rangers up in the series 2-0. I, uh, I was like, oh, yeah, you shouldn't have made that bet. You want out? Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm eating my words. It's been a nail-biter of a bet, and honestly, I wouldn't want it any other way. It is so much more fun this way. I feel like I have a dog in this fight. <laughs> but um, I think we've touched on before, uh, as a kid when the Avs were pretty bad, the Rangers were always my playoff team. Always. Like, I just I wanted the playoff team to cheer for, and it's a storied franchise that doesn't have as many cups as most of those other original six teams. You know, it's uh, it's... It's a fun team to follow. Uh, one that always has good storylines around it because they're always in the hunt. They're always trying to get that player, always trying to get that next guy, always trying to build something bigger. And I really like that. That just makes me feel like I'm watching franchise mode live. You know, like it's a good time. But all respect to Jack Hughes, Nico Heischer, Dougie Hamilton, this Devils team, Akira Schmid. Um, It's... 
<laughs> it's uh, it's been a really fun series with one that I thought was going to be over quick after those first couple games. Um, oh, and I have told my friend that if he wins the bet, I think I'm going to buy him a knockoff, really bad, ugly knockoff, like name bar on the shoulder patches, um, a Kira Schmid jersey. If the Devils win, that's what he gets instead of his $50. It'll probably cost me like 70 but I think it's way funnier that way. Okay, the Vegas Winnipeg one we can breeze over somewhat quickly. This team was decimated and useless after losing a couple of their most important players. The only way they were going to win was if Connor Hellebuck was the best player on either team. And they got major production from depth players and Pierre-Luc Dubois. Um, Vegas was the better team on paper if both teams were healthy. And then Winnipeg lost some major guys. And it was hard to see because some of those guys might be gone forever. Okay, yeah, that's what I was going to quickly get to. Rick Bonus said a bunch of stuff about the way his team played. And then Blake Wheeler, the captain, said a bunch of stuff about Rick. Um, both of those happened in real interviews with real cameras and real microphones. So no hiding from it. And then the Jets said Bonus is coming back. Yeah, so Blake Wheeler and, and the signs point to Wheeler Shifley at the very least not coming um end of an era yeah but we'll see we'll talk about it when those trades actually happen um dude if shifley came to colorado i would i would probably i think i would buy a shifley jersey immediately and go on a run around that track behind you through the window uh for probably until my heart stops it's been covered on this podcast, documented, in fact, that we both drink the LA Kings Kool-Aid. We are high on almost every player they have. And um, you know what I think might have been the difference? Corvisalo played well, but he didn't come up with this team. If Cal Peterson was on top of his game and playing great, I think this is a different squad. Goaltending wasn't even their problem but I think that's more inspiring to go with the boys you grew up with, you know? Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree with that. And, and, you know, I think LA still has that bright future ahead of them. I, I do think, I, I think there's a, I think there's a perfect combination of complimentary players, young players, whatever that they could find and, you know, they could, they could win, but um, not till then. happened devils four rangers zero akira schmid becomes the first rookie goaltender to get a shutout in the playoffs since carrie price sorry shutout in game seven since carrie price check that yeah um i i had it on while i was at work and i'm at the point where i'm never going to predict the score or the outcome in a game seven ever again i'm not even going to try and guess because it just made me feel like I don't know anything about this sport or anything about anything in life, really. Speaking of, you know, I think I mentioned this. I went eight for eight last year, first round. Then I went two for four on the second round. So first 12 series, I had 10 right. That's a solid number. I won an eight-leg parlay on the first round winners. I was So coming into this year, super overconfident. 
So instead of doing what I usually do in fantasy hockey and picking like a wide variety of players to make sure I've got like a solid chance, I went all in on my teams that I thought were going to go far, which were Boston, the Rangers, Colorado, and Edmonton. And of those four, one are left. <laughs> and of course, everybody would have picked McDavid, Nugent Hopkins, Drysaddle because it was in the draft. It was just pick your own teams. So I've wasted $20 on this hockey pool for the playoffs, unfortunately. You know, you you got a participation award. You showed up. So what are your thoughts on this game and your thoughts on the Rangers? Where where are we? Where do we go from here? Because Laugh, Kako, Keandre Miller, all pending RFAs, uh, trade deadline acquisitions in, in Patrick Kane and Vladimir Tarasenko, massive additions might be able to bring back one maybe if that like keandre miller's gonna get paid um laugh probably gets a bridge deal kako probably gets a bridge deal maybe like a three or four year at most it's not it's really really weird for the rangers it's a weird place it's a weird place to be because you have this team all of this star-studded talent you just pulled up the hockey db page and i'm looking at their lineup and I see like eight impact players. Well, and you know, you and I both picked them to win the cup probably for that reason. Right. And I saw a lot of people say this and I think they're right. This Rangers team was a collection of superstars, right? They lost to a team in the doubles, right? This team never really became a team this season, especially after the trade deadline, when you got these guys in, um, I think you have to, have to, have to prioritize resetting 23 year old K Andre Miller. That has to be at the top of your priority list. I agree with you that Laffy and uh, and Kako are going to get bridges. They've got Hedo locked up, which is a good thing. Um, I would be surprised if they prioritized a Kane or a Tarasenko extension. Uh, I think with the expiring guys, the guys going on to RFA deals, the Rangers, I don't think they're going to prioritize an older guy because at the end of the day, I know Rangers fans especially aren't going to want to hear this right now. This team... Failed in the first round, right? And I know the feeling is that all these trade deadline acquisitions are kind of... You, you get that all-for-nothing vibe right now. But I, I think, no doubt in my mind, the youth on this team is good enough that this team isn't going to go away, right? This team is, is going to stay good. Panarin, Zibanejad, Trocek, and Kreider. Even Truba... Two or three years left at the top of their games, I think, for all of them. Kreider, maybe a year or two. But I, I still think this... And again, I've been super high on this Rangers team all year. And here they have failed us. <laughs> Losing in the first round to New Jersey. But I, I don't think major surgery is required yet. Um, I think major surgery would be a monumental mistake, in fact. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's kind of like the Kings right now. I'm thinking of this team the same way I'm thinking of LA. Where, yeah, you failed. Yeah, you should have been better. Don't drop a bomb. Please do not panic. Yeah. That that should be how we label them and how, how you would send a message to them. That's the that's the subject line in the email. Please do not panic. Well, in Alexi Lafreniere, this is his third year in the league. He's made an improvement every year. Kapokaka had a career year, right? You're thinking of these young guys that they took high in the draft that didn't look like they worked out right away, but eventually, you know, they they they've improved. Keandre Miller had a career year as well. We both are big fans of Braden Schneider. We've talked about it on this show before. So, yeah, I just... That's my dude. Yeah, for sure. No, I I agree with you. He brings so much to your team. He brings so much to that blue line. 
um, yeah, so it, it's it's disappointing, obviously. It's something that I think, you know, I, I, I think looking at this as a failure, it, you, you have to. But that doesn't mean that this group of players can't, right? Just means it needs some tweaks. Um, so... Well, I mean, before you move on a little bit, it, it's hard to look at it this way, but out of probably, like, between four and eight to ten, like, yeah, maybe four and ten elite teams per year, one of them gets to win. That's the fact of the matter. Two to, like, two or three of them will go on deep runs. There will be a random out-of-the-blue Cinderella run for another one. One team really gets to succeed. So, you know what? You weren't that one. And every athlete is a competitor, and they all want to win. And every person in management is a competitor. They all want to win. And uh, like we said, you just have to look at it and not panic. You have to look at the positives from this year. Look at guys like Keandre Miller. Look at those other two RFAs we mentioned that have grown. Look at Philip Heedle, who's grown. Look at um, Chris Kreider, who even though he regressed, was still a key impact player in big moments. Kreider, yeah, 52 goals last year was a career high. 36 this year, that's a step back, sure. But that's still a sick year. It's also the only other time he scored 30. Right? Yeah. He'd never had hit 30 before he hit 50. Um, yeah, no, I completely agree with you. Um, speaking of those elite teams, we got eight left. Um, and even then, it's, you know, calling these teams elite. Nobody would have called the Seattle Kraken elite at the beginning of the season, but here we are. They're in the second round. They played Dallas. We sort of... Um, hold on, hold on. Let's talk about the Devils a bit before we get away from this series. Sure. Okay, we can start with Carolina and New Jersey, too, for the second round. Yeah, That's yeah. I mean, I mean, New Jersey going into this series was not favored, but people were optimistic for them. People were like, all right, they're a spunky team with a lot of high-end talent, and they have a chance. Like, they were never fully counted out of this series, even though most of us had the Rangers going on a deep run. There's actually one of my buddies picked the Devils in his bracket, and he looks like a genius right now. You know, the funny thing is, he picked Florida, too. Interesting. We thought he was really off his rocker. Yeah. (laughs) And now he looks like a genius. Well, and there's upsets every year, right? The upsets I had were (laughs) Islanders over the Hurricanes and uh, the Jets over the Knights, both of which were wrong. Um, Speaking of the Hurricanes, my concern with them going forward is the same. Look at that Rangers offense, and then look at how they were stifled by that A, New Jersey defense, and then B, that New Jersey goaltender. You cannot tell me that without Svechnikov and Pacioretty, the Carolina Hurricanes are going to stack up better against New Jersey, especially with the reasons the Rangers lost. They stopped being able to score, and Carolina is missing their two best scores aside from Sebastian Ajo, right? Like, you have Ajo in that 1C spot. Svechnikov and Pacioretty are supposed to be the other two guys. Ajo's supposed to be more of a playmaker, right? And you have him in that role because you have nobody else. And, and, you know, I do think in retrospect, the Carolina Hurricanes, and obviously you can't predict that Svechnikov injury, but they're going to regret not filling that hole in the deadline because I I, I I have New Jersey in the East final, man. I, I think they beat Carolina. I think they outscore them. I think they outgun them. And, um, I think coming off this emotional series against the Rangers, they are they are a train. They're a freight train right now. They're on this emotional high. I think it would take a lot to knock them off the tracks. I mean, I look at both these teams and I actually see it pretty even. Yeah. I mean, the Hurricanes missing um, Pacioretty, missing Svechnikov, maybe missing Taravainen. Um, they still have Ajo and Natchez and a lot of really solid complementary players. Like, 
what what is better in Jersey? They have Jack Hughes. They have uh, Timo Meyer might not be there. We glazed over that. We haven't even talked about the Truba hit. Clean. Clean. I I stand by clean as well. Yeah. Yep. Meyer's head goes down late. It's, it's... really really unfortunate. Uh, in my group chat with all my buddies. Uh, they were all saying clear targeting the head. Look, clear targeting the head. No, his head was down, and he was leading with the shoulder, yes, but he did not leave his feet. He did not move upward in a motion. There was no springing at all, right? I I stand by the fact that it was a hockey play. I don't disagree. Meyer had the puck. It wasn't late. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Both teams' defense, I think, are awesome. New Jersey has a really underrated decor. Again, really even. Ryan Graves, I think, is a super underrated player. Um, you've got John Marino on that back end who really grew into the series. Dougie Hamilton's obvious. you got a young Luke Hughes who I still think, you know, didn't make an impact on the series, but can in he a could. pinch. Yeah, he very he still, much could. Still could step in. Um, Kevin Ball is an underrated guy, like young guy, but brings size, brings a good presence. Um, Damon Severson has been there forever. Another guy where it's just nothing but positive things. Have you mentioned Jonas Siegenthaler yet? They're diamond in the rough. I think he might be in my top five, just most underrated players in the league, especially after this season. I think he's in a lot of people's top yeah. five for that. He's, he's, what he brings is, is there anything he doesn't do well? Smile more? Yeah, honestly, he's pretty stone cold. Yeah, he doesn't like smile that. enough. I like that. <laughs> but the fact that that's the only thing that's coming out right now, right? <laughs> Take that as a victory. Um, all right. Well, we just predicted. We just predicted so much of the first round wrong. Are are we doing predictions? We have to. Carolina Devils. Uh, Canes in seven. Oh, I was gonna say Jersey in seven. So that'll be an interesting game seven when it gets there, or when it doesn't, because we're <laughs> idiots. Um. So we talked about the Leafs winning. We talked about the Panthers winning. Um. For bet the, bet with your mind, not with your heart. No, it's I. Yeah. Um. Florida didn't stack up against Boston. They don't stack up against Toronto, in my opinion. The top-end talent goes to the Leafs. Not by a lot, mind you, but it does. Um, the defensive capabilities are... like That decor is the only thing I think Florida has on them right now. Um, because the play of Brandon Montour and Morgan Riley, in my opinion, cancel each other out. They're both playing awesome. But the rest of that Panthers D impressed me more than Toronto's did this series. Jake McCabe got better as the series went on, but he didn't start very well. Justin Hall was absolutely abhorrent. You had Eric Gustafson, who, again, we've talked about it on the show. Sheldon Keefe doesn't trust him five on five. Um, you've got Jake Muzzin, who's still a hurt, right? Timothy Liljegren, who was in and out of the lineup because he wasn't, you know, totally trusted in every situation. Uh, Luke Shen, who played solid, but again, kind of like we were talking about in Vancouver earlier this season, when you're relying on Shen to be a huge, huge part of your blue line, that means your blue line needs some help. Right, I thought Florida's defense handled Boston really well. I thought Aaron Ekblad, you know, as much as he kind of took a backseat role in Montour, still was awesome in that series, right? Um, even, like, their depth guys. Josh Mahura, I thought, was really strong. Every time he went into the corner, man, he got that puck out. And I, I'm just, I'm looking at that Panthers team, and I think the way their defense played in the first round is better. I'm also more confident in Bobrovsky than Samsonov moving forward as well. I think if Toronto wins the series, it's going to be, they'll be able to outscore the Panthers, and they'll be able to really beat Bobrovsky in areas where Boston couldn't. Um, I got Leafs in six. Yeah. I also have Leafs in six, believe it or not. I think uh, 
I think they just have a deeper group of difference makers up front who, I mean, Boston did too, but I like the depth in Toronto arguably better up front just because of the way they can spread out their centers and the way that they can move that around to, okay, we're behind. Let's put O'Reilly second line center Tavares on the wing. Let's make something happen right now. And then O'Reilly can seamlessly transition the next period back to third line center. Like they can just, they can mess around like that because of how versatile their guys are. And I don't really think Boston was structured that way. They were pretty much as deep as you can get up front. Like that Tyler Bertuzzi addition was an extra X factor. That was really big. He had a good first round too. He had a great first round. And I just think Toronto's a little bit more versatile up front. I had Toronto beating Boston if they encountered each other. Yeah. No, I can see that. I think, yeah, I, I think the big thing for the Leafs, well, I thought this going in and then they beat Tampa with Vasilevsky. I thought it was going to be, they were just going to get out goaltended, but Vasilevsky didn't do enough in that first round. Um, and as much as I do trust Bobrovsky more than Samsonov, it's already not mattered to them once, right? Like, it, it, clearly. Well, and it's not um, like Samsonov's a bad goalie. Like, that yeah, guy can that guy can exceed in big moments. Played pretty well. Played pretty well in that first round. Game one was an anomaly, right? He won four of the next five. Why not? Um, okay, so speaking of goaltending battles, <laughs> we have Laurent Brossois against Stuart Skinner. Uh, advantage Skinner. I'm going advantage Oilers. Vegas did very well to bounce back. They lost game one to Winnipeg, won four straight games. Jack Eichel looks like a player in these playoffs. Uh, this Knights team looks like they've come as advertised, finding ways to win even, you know, no matter what. That game three, I think, in Winnipeg when they won in overtime, that was just one of those where you just keep fighting until you get over the line, and, and they scrapped that one out. Um, but it's the Oilers, honestly, man. If you think about those two games LA won, arguably didn't deserve to win either of them. The Oilers could have swept the series. They could have beat LA four straight easily. It would have taken, you know, the late goal by Kopitar to tie game one and then the high stick in overtime that went uncalled in game three. Like, that was the two Kings wins. And and, and uh, to me, because of that, I just, I don't, I'm not, I don't doubt the Oilers right now, right? Kind of like I said about the New Jersey Devils, they kind of feel like a, a team on a mission, a team that it's going to take a lot to knock them off their track and, you know, as much as we can talk about the complimentary pieces, how well Zach Hyman's playing, how well uh, Evan Bouchard's playing on that first power play unit, I thought trading Tyson Berry was a mistake. Because really? I thought I, I thought they needed that pure offensive power play one anchor because I didn't see Darnell Nurse being that guy. I didn't see Evan Bouchard being that guy, and I didn't see Matias Eckholm they got being that guy on power play one. I thought they needed I thought they should have gone after Eric Gustafson and done what Toronto did, just to put him on power play one. But Bouchard's been awesome there. And then speaking of that power play, it's it's that McDavid to Dreisaitl cross seam pass that just keeps working over and over and over and over again, and that's really, you know, Vegas. Vegas only wins this series to me if they play seven games and take seven minor penalties or less. Honestly. Well, I thought you were going to answer my question just now, but you didn't. Um, what are two X factors for Vegas? Because I have two in mind. X factors to win this series. Uh, I love Shea Theodore, man. I think Alex Petrangelo and Shea Theodore should be one of the most dominant defense duos in this league. I actually haven't seen them be that since Petrangelo went to Vegas. On paper, they should be. They haven't quite lived up to it. Um, but I think that Vegas defense, as good as Matias Ekholm's been, and we just praised Evan Bouchard, that Vegas defense to me is still a stronger core 
than the Edmonton Oilers. And I think if that defense stands strong, if they can subdue McDavid and Drysaddle, and it starts with Shea Theodore to me, he's their guy. Um, as good as Petrangelo is, he's he you know he was there before. He was he he took that Knights team to the final, right? Uh, he was on that Golden Knights team when they went when they went to the West final before Petrangelo joined uh, when he was in St. Louis in 2020. Like, yeah, that that's number one for Vegas for me. Number two, I guess Jack Eichel. You asked for a second one. I you know to me it's it's all about that defense, but I think Eichel is also going to be a man on a mission, right? We talked about. Uh, him stepping up in the playoffs even on the last episode and, and I definitely don't think it's going to be lost on him that he's going up against the guy that got drafted ahead of him definitely and I, I see what you mean uh the second one I was looking for was Mark Stone because that oh. guy has been an absolute monster this playoffs and I think that guy has to will his team into the conference finals you talk about a man on a mission man he looks like he is going on the ice every single game just like you said, I think you just nailed, you hit the nail on the head. He's willing his team over the line, right? And, you know, I, if you watch him on the ice, the excitement he shows on the ice, if that's as motivated as he is in that dressing room, that's a great captain to rally behind, right? Um, the kind of reason I said Eichel ahead of Stone is, is to me, Mark Stone, that is Mark Stone. You're not going to get a different version of Mark Stone. The reason I kind of think Eichel's the X Factor is he could either be the best player in this series or you could not notice him and he can score a point in six games and that's it, right? And I think that's going to be the difference for the Knights is what Eichel shows up. I think we know what Stone's going to show up. I don't think that's a question. Mark Stone is going to be Mark Stone. He's going to be great. Um, but that's not in flux. Jack Eichel might be. I see exactly what you mean. And I'm pulling up the uh, I'm pulling up the lines for the Vegas Golden Knights. And the way it's set up right now, you've got three very spread out lines. Stone is playing with Chandler Stevenson and Brett Howden as of now. You spread it out. Chandler Stevenson has proven he's a great player. Then you have a do-anything-really line of Riley Smith, William Carlson, and Micah Matteo. Just slot a third guy on there. But then, you're right, that X-Factor line that needs to show up and step up is Barbashev, Eichel, and Marcia So. And I really like that line. That line needs to do a lot. And you got to think, maybe they're matching up Mark Stone and Chandler Stevenson against McDavid. And maybe when they're at home, they get the line change advantage. Maybe you're throwing Eichel out against someone who's vulnerable. I think that's a better three lines than Edmonton has. I agree. It's I think it's a way a better, better three lines. It's definitely not a better top six, but it's better top nine. And I think, uh, I think, yeah, I think if you're saying that that's definitely, that's a differentiator between the two. I think you're right. Um, the other thing too is I just I have more I have more faith in Skinner than faith in Brassois. I think that also has to be said, right? Stuart Skinner had a bad game, but he bounced back well. Um, I so I'm just not sold on Brassois yet, right? I just I don't, I don't see it. Um, I'm going Oilers in six. You're going Oilers in six. Okay, all right. I have no issue with that. Um, I, I have a weird feeling that whichever team wins this series, it's going to be over in five. So am I allowed to not pick a team, but pick five games? You can. I think I want that. I'm picking five games. Okay. I think one team is just going to clearly be outmatched randomly. And I don't know which one. I think one team is just going to have a really hard time. If you had said that for a bunch of other series in this playoffs, I would have been like, why? (laughs) <laughs> but I get it. Honestly, I get it in the series. I and I don't it. know why I no, get it. I, I, we're on the same page. 
Um, last one is Dallas Seattle. I had the stars going to the second round, but this still just feels like such a weird thing for me to say out loud. Still, Dallas Seattle second round. Like it might still just be because I'm not used to the Kraken yet, and you know I, I think that's why. It's just, it's, it's just it feels weird that they're this far. Um, we talked about it on the first part of this podcast, just about their their uh, the spread out scoring, how good it's been. The fact that no player was point per game in the series. Yanni Gord led the way with six points. Five of them were assists. Nobody had more than two goals. I don't think. If not two, then nobody has. Nobody had more than three. Um, I don't know what the Jared McCann timeline is. I think that could be huge for the Kraken. You talk about an X factor player. He definitely is that. I think another thing for Seattle that has to change between the first and the second round. You talked about Matty Beniers at the beginning of this podcast. I have not minded the way he's played, but the production has to start coming with it, right? He's as much as he's a rookie, much much as he's a kid. He's also the guy, right? He he's he started the season as their one C, right? And McCann kind of took that over, but especially if Jerry McCann's not on the lineup, we got to see Benier stepping up, and I think that's going to be huge for Seattle, uh, for the Dallas Stars. Um, you kind of talked about it earlier. It's kind of doing it for Pavelski in a way. Uh, Rupe Hintz has been unreal. Jason Robertson's always great. Um, you've got a second line of Jamie Ben Tyler Sagan that looked productive. Um, you're shaking your head at me. This swap. Yeah, because uh, Tyler Sagan is Joe Pavelski right yeah, now. He swapped him out. Yeah, you're right. He's playing with Rob- with Robertson and Hintz, and uh, so that builds into and that leads into my X factor for the series. Who is the better rookie center? Wyatt Johnston or Matty Veneers? Interesting. Who is going to be the better rookie center in this series? Because they both have to carry the load. Well, and Johnston's got that elevated role now, but I love this top nine for Dallas because Mason, Marchman, Max, Domi, and Ty Delandria, that's your third line. That's unreal, right? So I think the Dallas Stars, uh, yeah, and, and to me it's also their defense, right? Miro Heiskanen looks like the Miro Heiskanen he was supposed to be. In that 2020 bubble run, he looked like he might be the best player in the freaking world, man. And then it just wasn't that. And he hadn't been that. He might be that again. Like, he is unreal. He's playing unbelievably. And you've got the rest of that defense. And it's a defense that, you know, realistically, you take a step back and you wouldn't really expect to be as good as they are. But they play really well. Ryan Suter did a good job. And a lot of it, you know, there's a lot of clips of him just manhandling Kaprizov in front with cross checks over and over again. But at the end of the day, he's been better this season in Dallas than I thought he was going to be. He definitely surpassed my expectations. And um, The other big factor here is as good as Philip Grubauer was in the first round, playoff Jake Ottinger for the second straight year has proved that he might be just a completely different animal. He is that guy. Uh, he I, is him. I have Ottinger in Dallas over Seattle in six as well. I want revenge. Stars in four. Okay. <laughs> Stars in four. It's over. So Joe Pavelski is going to come back for game three, and he's going to have a crazy performance, and he's going to celebrate like a madman. He's so, going to celebrate like he's Alex Radulov scoring a playoff goal. So there's no part of you right now that is like looking at Dallas in the second round and still holding on to that? No, it's just Seattle? No. I got you. No, okay. I, st- I stopped holding a grudge against Dallas when Colorado lost to Vegas. There's recency bias. No, I got you. All right, so we only differentiated on the Carolina Devils. Hold on, hold on. I just want to say, I just want to ask you a question. What's one, like, because I just, we both went stars. Yeah. How can the Kraken win other than depth scoring? Philip Grubauer? That's the only thing I'm thinking of. 
I think Grubauer definitely. I think they need somebody to take over because depth scoring is great. You need it, but you also need somebody who you put on the ice and you know that they can get the puck in the neutral zone and they can get you a goal. They can will that puck into the back of the net, right? And it might be Jared McCann if he can come back from injury. I don't. I haven't. I guess I don't know the timeline on that yet. It could be Matty Beniers. We talked about that too. But I think Seattle needs somebody to step up in an offensive way. Not that they haven't been able to score, because they definitely have. It's more just... And you know what? Oliver Bjorkstrand looked like that guy in Game 7. If he can play in the rest of the series like he played in Game 7, he gets, he's capable of doing that. He did that the entirety of Game 7. So I think for the Kraken, it's going to be, yes, it's going to be Philip Grubauer A, and then the B is going to be um, somebody takes the bull by the horns on that in that forward core, no doubt. For me, is two defensemen. They're winning, and we just referenced. Uh, they're winning if they get this. We just referenced when Colorado lost to Seattle, or sorry, when Colorado lost to Dallas in the bubble. Colorado lost to Dallas because John Klingberg and Miro Heiskanen were walking the line, and it was a nightmare every time they were walking the line. They need Vince Dunn and Justin Schultz to do that. They need that. That's how they're gonna win because they get. They already. We already know that they're gonna get some depth scoring. But Jake Ottinger is going to shut a lot of that down. They need to get a bunch of guys in front of Ottinger that they need to have those two walking the line, finding a lane, and getting it in. Don't disagree with that. I'll, uh, okay, we've got our picks in. There's your round one, round two. And we've, uh, we've got more from here, man. So I'll let you take this one away. Well, you've got the quote coming up here. Jonathan Huberto has spoken about the fact that his old head coach is no longer his head coach. Daryl Sutter's done in Calgary. That's right. Daryl Sutter's done in Calgary, and he's getting paid for two more years. They just gave him an extension. So they're paying two co- at least two coaches for at least two years. And imagine if they fire this coach after the first year, and they're paying three coaches in that next year. <laughs> that would be th- that'd be at least a little bit comical, right? But, all right. The Huberto quote. And honestly, it's warranted because we've all... We all saw how Jonathan Huberto was compared to last year. He was never going to mesh with this. This was the Sedins with John Tortorella. This was not, it was not a proper match. It was never going to be a proper match. It was not it. Because, for one, the reason that that Calgary trio in Goodrow, Lindholm, and Kachuk was able to do whatever they wanted last year was because Kachuk's a jerk on the ice. So they can go and get all the points, but they can still play Sutter hockey. And the other two can just run around and get offensive numbers done. And then Kachuk can make something out of nothing when he's coming off the boards. Bang. All right. Sutter hockey, but it's still run and gun. Okay. They weren't able to do that this year. Because Huberto is not an axe murderer on the ice. That is not Sutter hockey. Huberto is flashy, dancey, uh, perfect seeing eye. Like, top five... top five at least, maybe top five fringe passer in the league. All right, and now the Huberto quotes. It didn't really click between me and Daryl last year, and this was translated from French, so it's a rough translation, right? There were a lot of factors. There was a big difference in points between my last two years and the style of play he wanted me to play. It didn't fit my style. Having a new coach is going to help my game and my confidence too. Just being honest. And then Huberto on Sutter's behavior. Why say stuff to the media 
and then go see the kid to tell him how well he played. Uh, he's saying that in response uh, to the Jacob Peltier Sutter yeah. comments. And then he goes, we were all disappointed, especially for a young kid who comes in and doesn't need that as a young player. He just wants to play well for himself and the team. We were saying, oh, well, that's Daryl. They don't need that. And no one can dispute Daryl Sutter's legacy. He's a cup-winning coach for more reasons than one. But do you remember near the end of his time in L.A. when the Kings were having some playoff struggles? It was players-only players only meetings all the time. He was slamming, locked, yes. locked out of the room. Yeah, slamming the door in Sutter's face, locking him out of the room. Team was done. He expired. That happens with coaches. It just happened after one year, and it's done. That was all it is. It's done. And like I don't I can't even think off the top of my head what coaching candidates are out there, but I want to see a guy go in there who is just gonna redefine that offense. They have talented forwards. They do. Lindholm, Toffoli, Kadri, Huberto, those guys should all be able to put up numbers. Dylan Dubé continues to get better. I still think they need to add an impact forward, like a, a really solid impact forward. And getting a free agent to sign in Calgary has not proven to be a super easy thing. I mean, not a lot of guys want to play in a cold place in Canada where they can get they can make more money for the same cap hit in a warmer place where they may be closer to home. They may be further away from the media spotlight. It's not super desirable. We know that. We get that. That's a tale as old as time. They need another guy. Last thing on Calgary for me. You're, everything you're saying is right. I think a big key for them, Dustin Wolf, man, is going to be unreal next year for Calgary. That's my prediction. We talked about Calder nominees. Devin Levi, Connor Bedard are my two, one, two. Bedard probably first. Depends on who he plays for, but probably Bedard first, Levi second. Dustin Wolf has an outside chance of being a finalist because do you know what, James? Jacob Markstrom was not what Calgary needed him to be this year. Dan Vladar has some value. I think they trade him for probably could they could almost definitely could get a second round pick for him. Um but I think Wolf, who is the who's going to be the AHL MVP this year, if he steps in in a big way, that's huge. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I mean, he got to play that game at the end of the year, right? And he looked good. Looked really good. And he has a cool name. I always like when guys have a cool name. Like, the wolf is on the prowl. Like, that's awesome. <laughs> I want to see that. I want to hear that. You know I like storylines. That's what I do. Yeah, I think it would be really cool to have a rookie goalie to rally behind, too. That often does well for teams. All right, well, if you're listening, it's been a whopping two seconds for you but it's been uh two days for aiden and i since we last hit the record button um we both get kind of busy sometimes so this one on the back burner for a sec but as promised we are going to tackle some of those uh questions that came to the instagram and one that even came to our spotify which i didn't even know aiden did or didn't know was possible because i don't have spotify i'm weird edgy youtube music kid but um 
Yeah. Um, Aiden, uh, before I start running through these, uh, what do you think? Like, like, do you think we got a solid return? I, I sure think so. Yeah, we did. Uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of legwork was done by some people who requested this segment to begin with. So I appreciate them for sure for following up on what they kind of asked for. Cause it was, um, this was a requested segment and, and the people who asked for it did a good job of making this worthwhile. So uh, here we go. Let's pick a few, and we're going to get to all of them, I think, at least all the ones that we, we really like, but we're not going to do it all at once. We're going to do a few, so let's go. Because the thing is, if we did it all at once, um, we would never get a return like this again, uh, barring a massive growth in our social media, which we have not put enough love into for it to happen. So, um, yeah, first things first, we're going to go with Spotify Dude. I don't know who Spotify Dude is. But um, uh, and we're not going to name all these people. I'm just calling this Spotify dude because this is the one person. Um, this person asked, "What teams do you most slash least want to see Connor Bedard play for?" So you know, Aiden, I think let's go one each, like like uh, one each uh on either end of like I'll say if I well, which team I want least and which team I want most. Okay, you go first. I was totally going to ask you. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, the team I want to see him on most Philly. I think that would be so sick. And I think that would rejuvenate his fan, uh, their fan base. And, uh, we all know that, um, I kind of think about hockey from a business standpoint once in a while and, uh, Philly when successful has been a really big money-making team for the league. So I think that would be really good. And, uh, when those teams make more money, we have better chance of the cap going up. More cap going up means more trades, more signings, more all that fun stuff. So um, there's that thing there. And then I kind of think Connor Bedard and Travis Konechny together would be absolutely filthy. And then like, yeah, yeah. And then like you throw in a cutter goche in a couple years. Oof, that sounds sick. Uh, least want to see him play for. Um, honestly, that's kind of hard. Because the way I've been looking at it is which players he's going to play with. Um, and for me, that's that's really difficult because I think out of really all the options, I guess San Jose. San Jose would be the least fun. That would do the least for me. That's where I'm at. Okay. I My priority is that he stays in Canada. And as, as much as Montreal just got uh, Slykovsky, um I don't care. I don't care. Give Montreal Connor Bedard. Um, the least probably Arizona. I don't think he deserves that. Um, I don't think they deserve him. Uh, I think him going to Arizona would elongate the fact that the Coyotes aren't going to lose their team, which should have happened by now. Um, yeah, so pretty easy, pretty straightforward for me. Pretty simple explanations, too. Totally fair. Totally fair. Um, I was kind of the my number two was Columbus, be uh for for who I wanted to go to the most. I thought that would be really fun. Really, Connor Bedard and Johnny Hockey and Patrick Line on the same power play is one of the most frightening things I've ever seen. And then you throw in Wierenski. Gross. I was gonna say Anaheim because I um. I like the the bromance him and Mason McTavish already have. And I just think that would be such a cool duo because like they're already like best friends and then they'll be like, they'll both grow into superstars together. 
and they'll like grow into making Anaheim hopefully by then a good team together, right? Like when they really emerge and yeah. and then Anaheim's... you factor in Seagrass probably bringing him out of his shell media wise. Yeah, and again, this is not the question. I actually think if Anaheim wins the draft lottery, they should explore moving Trevor Zegras. I think teams would pay out the nose for him right now. I actually think his value is super inflated. I look at Trevor Zegras a lot like I think his career is going to um I don't think it's ever going to live up to what it is now. He right now is this flashy like super exciting player. I I don't think I th- I see Trevor Zegras as all style, no substance at all. I don't even think he's going to be an NHL centerman James. I think he's going to turn into a winger because he can't or he can't and you know what he's a kid as of right now i've never seen him play a defensive shift in my life i've never seen him work hard off the puck once in my life like i, I just for a guy who's that skilled that talented i i i actually think that what a team is willing to give up for him right now for every reason and the actual value he brings to a stanley cup contender that's super lopsided and if anaheim gets another dynamic forward in bedard they could trade Zegers for a King's ransom and speed up that rebuild. And I know that's going to be super unpopular opinion, but just from watching Trevor Zegers play, I love the Michigans. They're super cool to watch. They're super cool on the highlight reel. Watch him for one period and tell me he does anything off the puck because he doesn't. I just need to clarify, are you a Zegers critic or a Zegers hater? Oh, critic. Because I really do. I can, I think... I kind of thought this about Austin Matthews a little bit, and then he turned into a Selkie winner, right? He it, it, it's possible for him to under the right tutelage and 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 with the right uh, with the right guidance, with the right line mates, you know, the, with somebody who's going to convince him to focus on it, he could totally grow into a centerman. It's just I've seen nothing from him that would tell me that that's possible from him uh, so far in his career. And again, he's a kid, right? He was a 2019 pick, so he's in his early 20s. That could still change, but so far. I I I think again, and you know what? He might move to left wing, and then all of a sudden he doesn't need to play defense. Nobody cares. It doesn't matter that he's not a good two way player because he's he's a winger. <laughs> um, but I think right now, what a team would be willing to give up for him and the actual value he brings to a to a contender is very slated. And Anaheim would win any trade they make involving him, provided they don't royally royally screw it up. Okay, awesome. I actually really enjoyed that tangent. That that random tangent came up with some pretty good discussion that we haven't had before, and I like that. But uh, next up, you know, we're going to prioritize the uh, Instagram story replies here. Uh, we'll go to the DMs from Aiden in like a rapid fire format next episode, I'm thinking, because some of them are corny and I want to laugh at them. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, the first of those Instagram story replies... Uh, is who do you think the next captains will be for each team that currently doesn't have one? I've already got the list pulled up. I'm okay. going to say the team, and then Aiden's going to say his guess, and I'm going to say my guess. Okay. First team, Anaheim Ducks. Let's go. I actually think they give it to Cam Fowler. That is a very solid guess, and I like that. Uh, and I agree with it, so I'm going to go a little bit different. I'm going to go, they wait two years further from where they are now, and they give it to Mason McTavish. That would have been my B, yeah. All right, next up, Arizona Coyotes. 
This might be super outside the box. Logan Cooley. Okay. All right. Um, that I, that is extremely outside the box, considering he hasn't even played a game for the team yet. Um, I'm going right inside the box. A guy who had substantial growth this year appears to be a very main figure on that team, and doesn't. I haven't heard any rumors of him going anywhere. Lawson Kraus. Yeah, like that. Yeah, a uh, rough and tough guy. I feel like he's the kind of guy that'll like be a playful jerk to guys is when they come into the locker room. I know nothing about him. That's just like what his on-ice persona makes me think and just seeing him on the bench. But yeah, that's my guess. Uh, next up, Calgary Flames. Are you blanking too? Because I'm blanking. I don't have any f- name immediately jumping to mind because of all of the random contract stuff. Canucks legend Chris Tanev. Uh, I'm going to give a double barrel answer. Um, uh, if he re-signs Elias Lindholm, because he's got one year left on that deal, I believe. And then I'm going to go with... Uh, barrel number two, I'm going with Rasmus Anderson. Gotcha. We haven't talked about Rasmus Anderson a lot on this podcast. I'm a massive Rasmus Anderson fan. I love that guy. I I kind of fell in love with him because he was doing the most for my fantasy team at one point when he was doing really well. And then I just, you know, you know when that happens and you start watching a player more? That's what happened to me. All right. Well, next up, we've got the Philadelphia Flyers. This is a really interesting one for me. Who you got? Travis Konechny jumps to mind first. I think I'm going to probably have to say Travis Konechny. Close second in Travis Sanheim. Very underrated defenseman. Scott Lawton. Moving on. Like it. Seattle Kraken. Who you got? There's so many options. Somebody asked me this question when Giordano got traded, and I said Matty Beneers. Um... It's hard because I didn't even think they were going to name Giordano. You know what I mean? I didn't think they were going to have like a, a captain who wasn't going to stick around. Right. Like that's why Vegas never named one till stone. And I prefer that approach. Yeah. I think I'm going to stick to Maddie Beneers. You know what? Stick to your guns. You go with your gut feeling. And I don't really disagree with that one. Uh, but I just think that if Yanni Gord is captain of that team, they would have a very fun locker room. That's what I'm going with. Uh, next up, St. Louis Blues. I think this one is painfully obvious. Now that you said that, it's making me double back on what I, because I, Robert Thomas came to mind first. In my franchise mode with St. Louis, the most recent one I've done, Robert Thomas becomes captain year two. Yeah, I can't really think of anybody I would have over him. Like Braden Shen's older. Braden Shen's my choice. Yeah. Considering the term he has on his deal, no one's taking that contract, even though he's a very effective player. Tons of experience, lots of life in him. I, I can't go anywhere except Braden Shen. 
Yeah, that might be mine as well, actually. No, you get to go with Robert Thomas. That was the first name you said. Yeah, no, that's fair. Uh, next up, your Vancouver Canucks. Who you got? Patterson. Oh, I'm going to piss him off with this one. JT Miller. If you guys could see Aiden's facial expression right now, it looks like he kind of has to go to the bathroom. That's how that, that's how that answer made him feel. I thought you were going to say Quinn Hughes because the way Hughes was kind of talking to the media, like just he he looked like a different Quinn Hughes and he looked like a Quinn Hughes that was ready for that um, at the end of this season. Um, I, I really can't see Miller, man. <laughs> I mean, it's not that I could see it. It, I mean, maybe if they traded Horvat before the season and then named JT Miller captain, I could have seen it. I don't see it now, but I want it because I'm an agent of chaos and I love it. I love everything that guy does. I want everything to be a mess all the time and I want everyone to be swearing at each other and I want, I want Captain Angrily serious. <laughs> captain Angry. But next up and last up, Winnipeg Jets. This is probably the most difficult one. It is the most difficult one because you it's hard to really take a step back and look at that roster and say, oh, these guys are definitely going to be there for a while. My gut is telling me Josh Morrissey. Okay, yeah. I mean, that that feels like a really safe bet, and I can't really think of anyone other than that, other than um, because, like, I couldn't see Kyle Connor or Nikolai Ehlers being captain for some reason. I just don't. It just doesn't do it for me. I'm not saying those guys couldn't be leaders. It just, it just doesn't run to mind. Josh Morrissey does for sure. Um, I, I would say Shifley if I didn't think he was going to be gone. But yeah, I, I I have to agree with Josh Morrissey. Oh, you know what? I'm going to go with this. Pierre-Luc Dubois, if he signs an extension, which I don't think will happen, but if he signs an extension. Well, that's it for that question. And uh, this one, this last question we're going to do for this pod, Aiden and I have already talked about this one a bit. This question is, best playoff run by a team that isn't talked about enough. Aiden, who do you have? Because we've talked about this a bunch. Probably the 2015 Tampa Bay Lightning. I okay. like that. I like that team a lot. Um, they don't get talked about because it's the skeleton of what of the Lightning team that won two cups, but just that team that had the the it was the triplets leading the way. And Andre Palat and Nikita Kucherov won those cups together in Tampa still, but it was uh, Tyler Johnson playing the hockey of his life down the middle there for Tampa. That was just, he, he had an unreal 2015 playoffs. It was also kind of Kucherov's coming out party, right? It was Kucherov's emergence. Um, Alex Kalorn too. That was when you really heard about Alex Kalorn for the first time. You really knew who this guy was. Um Andre Vasilevsky. Vasilevsky as well, yeah. And for me, that kind of marks like that marks the start. As much as Tampa took five years to get back to a cup final, that marks the start of the Tampa Bay era that kind of 
closed <laughs> now. Correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't that the run where uh, at the end, Kucherov stood at the end of the ice watching the Chicago Blackhawks celebrate by himself? He stood at the opposite end of the ice and just watched. Yeah, that I remember that. I need to find that picture. And if I do, I will share it to our story because that is, that's like, that's iconic. That's yeah. one of those things where 20 years from now, that's one of the things we'll be talking about when we look back at Nikita Kudrov's career. That, that guy that. saw it at the other end, saw what he wanted and saw what he had to achieve. And damn right, he did it. But I have a different one. Uh, one that's not far off. Uh, in fact, only one year before. The New York Rangers run to the 2014 Finals. That run was backed by Martin St. Louis. Like, they picked him up and uh, rest in peace. Really, unfortunately, his mother passed away during the Pittsburgh series. And uh, I believe they were down, I think, 3-1 in the series. And the whole team rallied behind him. And I'll never forget that first goal uh, he scored after that. I'm getting chills going up my spine. It's like... Oh, yeah, it's like that goal is burned into my memory. You could just see everyone on the team's emotion behind him, and they all want to do it for Marty. It was incredible. It was it was the kind of thing where that run, even though I didn't really have a dog in the fight, like I, I always kind of cheered for the Rangers when the abs weren't in the playoffs. We've talked about that before, but it was crazy. And I, like, I remember watching one of the games with my grandpa in the finals and Derek Broussard, uh, odd man rush or partial breakaway scores us with a slap shot on Jonathan quick. And like, you don't really see a slap shot on an odd man rush or on a breakaway in today's NHL very much. And if you do, it's probably not going to do anything, but I still remember my grandpa looking at me and going, kid, that was a laser. And I will never forget that ever, ever. That's always going to be one of my favorite moments with my grandpa was watching that run. So that that's pretty special. But yeah, it's uh, I think Aiden and I could do an entire podcast on playoff runs that aren't talked about very much. Like we could run through that for probably three hours. So maybe dead of the summer when we have nothing to talk about, we'll talk about just random fun playoff runs. But that's it on that one for now. Um, I have to say the line. I have to. It isn't the great Canadian hockey podcast without a couple great games to play. And we weren't going to do games because we were doing these questions, but I'm just going to ask Aiden one question, one game, one quick thing. Guess your next three art trophy winners. Not counting this season. Not counting this season. Okay. Immediately outside the box. Tage Thompson next year. Ooh, okay. I like that one. I like that one a lot. Yeah, Buffalo. I, I I see them. I see them taking that step into the playoffs next year. It's on my ballot. And because of that, I think Thompson, you know, he was close to 50, 50, 100 this year. I think he hits that next year, and I think he's the MVP for it. Um, I'm going Connor McDavid year after. You have to have at least one McDavid in yeah. there. Yeah. I think it's McDavid year after. And then you look at those teams, James, at the bottom of that uh, 
the bottom of those standings, and a lot of them are probably two, three years away from the playoffs, especially if you add Connor Bedard. So I'm going to, again, another outside of the box. I'm going Thompson, McDavid, and Bedard, one, two, three. All right. Yeah, I I think those are really fair. I think we're going to get really surprised with one. It's just going to happen one of these years. Like, you're going to get a random, like, just stupid example, but like a Tim Stutzler or something. I could see that. I could see that happening. I could see that next year, honestly. Like, yeah. Like, uh, Pedersen came to my head, too. Yeah. If, if, if Vancouver made the playoffs this year, I thought Pedersen should have been on that ballot. Yeah. You just think that, like, if if Stutzler ends up with, like, 110 points and next highest points on his team, maybe because of injuries or something like that, is, like, 85, 80, and they make the playoffs – they go on a little run. I totally think he's at least nominated. Yeah, no, well, for sure. But all right, that's it. Uh, like I like I've just promised. Uh, next episode, we're gonna run through rapid fire on all those Instagram DMs that went to Aiden, and uh, I just want to say thank you guys for bringing in those questions. Um, I think we're gonna try and do a little bit more fan interaction, well, listener interaction, listener fan, whatever you guys are. Uh, we're gonna do a little bit more of that going forward, and. Uh, yeah, it just kind of makes it a little bit more fun for us, a little bit more fun for you guys. And thank you for listening to this monster of an episode. It was quite the long one and quite the ordeal for us to get it recorded, mixing with our schedules that we have going on that are admittedly very opposite. Um, but yeah, we want to keep doing this for you guys and we have a great time doing it. So without further ado, let's roll that out, Thanks, guys.